We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everyone? Rob Dawson here. Field of 68 Network. This is the Top Dogs Podcast. Of course, you know that because you're listening to it right now. But listen, uh, this is the second time in two weeks that we've had to come on this pod and talk about UConn coming off of an 0-2 week. Uh, this one is certainly more disheartening than the last time we were on here. UConn on Wednesday went into Marquette and lost to the Golden Eagles 82-76 to and followed that up on Sunday afternoon with an 85-74 loss to St. John's in the XL Center in a game where they got out-toughed. They got out-competed, and in the words of Dan Hurley, they got embarrassed. Uh, so that leaves us at something of a crossroads here. And, and for my money, I do think that this is about as important of a moment as we've had so far to date in Dan Hurley's tenure as UConn head coach. Uh, I think now is when we're really going to kind of find out what he's made of when it comes to being a coach at this level. Because uh, I don't think that there's any doubt that you there's enough talent on this roster, right? There's enough. There are enough pieces on this UConn roster. They are... At worst, at very worst, one of the top five teams in the Big East. Uh, no questions asked. They are, at the worst, a top 20-ish, top 25-ish kind of a team in college basketball. They have two pros on the roster that have spent time in the program. They have at least two five men uh, that are elite at the college level. They have role players that can do a job, that have started and thrived at other places around the country. We know all of this, right? They, What they also are is a team, a team that is flawed, right? We've been over this before we've been through this territory before and i don't want to really belabor labor the point but they don't have great point guard play they just don't tristan newton frankly has not been good enough since league play started um i don't necessarily know if there is a fix there either he needs to be about 10 percent more athletic to be able to turn the corner and create the space that he needs to be able to create against big east opponents uh, he can't see over and overpower opposing guards in the big east the way that he could do that um playing in the American uh, Asandiar. He he's been really great as a change of pace point guard. He's a guy that can come in and give you 15 to 20 minutes off the bench. Um, he lets you press a little bit. He lets you play faster. 
but he's not a guy that you want doing more than that. Like if he's your starting point guard, I think that you're at a little bit of a disadvantage in the conference. He's great off the bench. He's a great six man. That's a good thing to be. Um, Andre Jackson, love him, but he's a really useful piece that can do so many different things well, but he's not a good enough facilitator or a good enough decision maker to be a full-time point guard on a team that has aspirations to win this big East conference and to do things like win a national title, which is what this UConn team has. So what happens is that if UConn has a set that breaks down, right, they don't really have someone to go to, especially when Adama Sanogo is doing things like getting eaten up by Joel Soriano or getting double teamed the way that he was double teamed at Marquette. That's just who this team is. And up until about two weeks ago, um, they'd been doing all of the other stuff well enough to make up for some of these limitations. But when you have an exploitable weakness that can get exposed in conference play, um, it's something that other coaches are going to take advantage of, right? Everybody in this league knows everybody through and through, up and down, throughout the roster, throughout the lineup. Arizona's dealing with the same thing right now uh, in the Pac-12. To a point, uh, Kansas is as well. You know, they found a way to win some close games, games that they probably shouldn't have, games that they've been outplayed, but um, they've been exposed a little bit. Teams know what to do to beat them. You know, eventually someone like a Purdue or someone like an Alabama, and yes, frankly, even Xavier or Marquette are eventually going to have to go through this as well. If you are not the elite of the elite, and when I say that, think 2018 Villanova, think uh, 2021 Baylor, think 2015 Kentucky. If you're not at that level as a team, good coaches in the best leagues are eventually going to find an answer and a way to beat you, and then everybody else is going to copy it once it gets on tape. For UConn, this answer has kind of been found out, right? Make life as hard as possible for Jordan Hawkins coming off the screens. Face guard him if you need to. Go box him one if you need to. Um, you know, lock him on, lock him when you're going over the top of those screens. You know, make him curl and go to the rim instead of being able to settle and fade into a three-point jump shot. Don't let Adama Sonogo get deep position, and when he does, send a double team at him. Um, keep UConn out of transition. You do those three things, you're probably going to beat them, right? So what's the response now? That's my question. What is the adjustment that UConn is going to make to the way that defenses have decided to start playing against them in this moment? And this is where, you know, this is where Dan Hurley makes his money, right? This is why he's the head coach at UConn right now. Moments like this. Uh, I'm not going to be one of the people that gets on here and drags him or rakes this coaching staff over the coals, right? Like, I, I believe that um, you should be supporting the people that are coaching the program, support the players, support the coaching staff, do all of those things that you need to be able to do as fans uh, to make it as minimize the level of toxicity that these guys deal with both, you know, on campus, on social media, on all those other things until the poll lovers that they're wearing a peach jam, you know, are, are different colors or have different dog logos on them. Um, I'm never going to forget where this program was when that staff took it over. Right. Uh, it feels like the world is ending because they've lost four out of five games. Like how often did we lose four out of five games in 2018 and 2019 and 2016, right? Like it's nice to be good. It's nice to have a level of expectation. There's a level of privilege that comes with being able to get pissed about losing four out of five. Hell, we could be Georgetown. How about that? Um, and I think that's important to know. But I think even this staff uh, would agree with me when I say this. Like I think this is the first real inflection point in Hurley's time in stores, right? He set a level of expectation, uh, frankly, through overperformance at the start of the year, that this team was good enough to compete for a national title. They play like it. Um, they've looked like it. And now that we've kind of come back down to earth a little bit to the point that we, that UConn is what we thought they were going to be in October, which is a team good enough to finish in the top five, 
in the Big East, a team good enough to beat anybody in the Big East on the right day, and a team good enough to be a top 20 or 25 team in college basketball, the Natives are getting a little bit restless. And I think it's important to note that the reason why you're a little bit frustrated right now is because of how well this team overperformed in uh in overperformed what our expectations were in November and December. Don't 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 ignore that. All right. Don't ignore the coaching job they did to get this team to the point that you expect them to be going to the final four. Now, I don't have the answers for them. That I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that I'm the this basketball savant that I know more than the guy that's getting paid millions of dollars to figure these answers out, right? Um but I, I do still think that the future is like really bright, not just this year, but long term. And I don't want to let this get to the point where like people are just completely bashing them. And, you know, as once it goes bad, it never goes back. Right. Like once once the fan base turns, it's so hard to fix it. Right. I, my friend Gary Parrish loves to say, once you're on the hot seat, you never get off. Um, and I think that there's a level of truth to that now. To be exceptionally clear, I am not saying that Dan Hurley is on a hot seat whatsoever. What I'm saying is that this season goes bad. If the spiral doesn't stop, there are probably going to be some frustrated fans in the next state. And I just want you all to to recognize and to um, make sure that you remember the reason why we went from being like, yeah, you know what? Hopefully we win a game of the tournament this year. To Holy shit, we're going to win the national title. We're going to win the Big East tournament. We're the best team in the world. Uh, it's because of the, the the job the staff did in November and December. Maybe they peaked at the wrong time. I don't know. It is what it is. But just keep that in mind while you're talking about all of this. Um, now, this is where I put on my blue tinted glasses because uh, I think that there's a pretty convincing argument, at least to me, that things are not necessarily as bad uh, as they look from the outside. You know, I've said it over and over and over and over and over again, and fans are probably sick of me making the same point. Road losses at Marquette at Xavier and at Providence are things that I can like accept, right? Marquette and Xavier are top 15 teams in the country. Those are two of the best offensive teams that we are going to see all season long. Both of them are good enough to get to a final four. Both of them are top five offenses in college basketball. Both of them are to me very clearly second weekend teams. And I think they're the two best teams in the conference. Uh, I love Providence. Um, I think that they just know how to win. They're tough. They will guard the hell out of you. And for the most part, they're always going to have the best player on the floor in Big East play with Bryce Hopkins. Um, losing on the road at those three teams, no matter how those losses happen, are things that I'm like, okay, what? Like that that happens. That happens in Big East play. Even doing losing three out of four against them, I'm fine with it. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. Whatever. I'm fine with it. UConn was the targeted team in those games. They were the hunted. They they were first place in the conference. They were top five on Kempom. They were number two in the country. Like, it is what it is. They got caught on the road playing those three games in a 10-day stretch. Like, sucks for the schedule makers. Thanks a lot for that. But, you know, it kind of is what it is. Now, the game against St. John's, to me, is the one that is a different story. Uh, but I want to note this, right? The Johnnies play a style that is different than what anything else is anyone else in the big East does. And what any, anything else that you're going to see in this conference, they press, they speed you up defensively. They climb up in you on the, in the half court. They don't let you run your stuff. They're a pain in the ass. And to beat them, you kind of have to have guys that can win one-on-one matchups, right? That's what they do. They challenge you to beat them one-on-one and UConn could not do that because UConn doesn't necessarily have those dudes, right? especially not when Joel Soriano was playing like one of the, the best five in the conference and is frankly, he was better than Adama Sanogo was on Sunday. 
it is what it is. I can get behind the idea that that loss had more to do with the specific matchup than anything else. But like at some point, the excuses, they got to stop, right? Good teams win bad matchups. Good teams beat better teams on the road once in a while. At some point, UConn has to start getting some of these wins. They have to. There's too many good teams in this conference to sit here and say, you know what, we can't beat teams with good matchups. And if we play on the road against someone like a Villanova or a Creighton, we just don't have a chance. Like you, you got to start winning those games. Point blank, period. But I will say this. To me, the most concerning concerning thing, blah, 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 I'm stuttering over my words here. The most concerning thing about the game on Sunday was that UConn got out toughed, right? And, and I know the, the staff probably won't like what I'm about to say here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right now, UConn feels like a team that doesn't have an identity, right? We thought they were this great defensive team. Well, they currently rank fourth in defensive efficiency in Big East play. Andre Corbello, Rafael Pinzone, like these guys got wherever they wanted to go on Sunday. It, it it did not look, it was not a good defensive performance on Sunday by UConn, especially their perimeter players. UConn has to be better on that end of the floor. We thought they were going to be a great rebounding team this year. Well, they ranked sixth in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. They've been beaten up on the offensive glass too many times. We thought they were going to be this team that wins games with toughness and wins games with physicality. Well, how many times did I get beat to 50-50 balls in games over the course of the last three weeks? I know they got a bunch of layups off of it against St. John's on Sunday, but part of the reason they got a bunch of those layups was because St. John's was going after the ball and and kind of uh, kind of leaking out a little bit, trying to get layups at the other end. It's what they do. It's how they play. You kind of shooting under 32% from three in league play. Are they a three-point shooting team? Not if they're shooting like that. They're seventh in free throw rate. Are they a team that can get to the foul line? Not right now. So what kind of team are they who are they what is their identity and the other thing i think this team lacks right now is a degree of on-court composure and on-court leadership and and frankly like i don't want to say mental toughness because it feels like i'm calling them mentally weak and that's not what i'm trying to do but they don't handle the moment well right and that kind of goes hand in hand with not having a point guard but they melted down on the road at providence they melted down on the road at uh at Xavier and you know part of that had to do with the fact that Dan Hurley lost his composure a little bit as well I think there's some blame that can be made there you know they took a punch against St. John's and never got back up off the mat once it started going bad they couldn't find a way to turn it around they didn't have somebody to start the bleeding they don't have someone that they can give the ball to and get that confidence level back up and to me that is the most concerning part of what we've seen specifically Sunday, but kind of the last two weeks, because this team is talented to do all of the things we want them to be able to do. Um, but this is the way I think about it, right? When Xavier has things going bad and they desperately need a bucket, they can give the ball to Colby Jones. Colby Jones. They can give the ball to Suli Boom. Um, they have a whole bunch of vets. They have guys that can make shots, right? When Marquette desperately needs a bucket and they are not able to get anything from the stuff they want, Run. Cam Jones is a bucket, right? David Joplin is a bucket. And that's to say nothing of Tyler Kolak, who is, you know, has like 50 assists and four turnovers in his last four games. He's insane. Providence has Devin Carter, Jared Bynum, and oh, by the way, some guy named Bryce Hopkins. All of those other teams have a dude that they can throw it to that can go get you one. And when things are going bad for UConn and you badly need someone that can create a shot and the confidence isn't there and you need to find someone that can pull this team back into a game and get them focused and get them confident and get them believing and get them saying, we're going to find a way to win this. Who They don't have that guy. They, they just don't have that guy right now. And that is, that is the one thing that I think right now is missing. And the one thing I think was exposed in this stretch, 
they won early by doing all of the things that you can control and doing them well. Um, and I do think that this is something that you should be able to control. They just got to find the guy that can give it to and find the guy that can do it and find a way to get it done. And that's it. To me, that is the fix. I don't think that this the sky is falling. Um, I'm still in on this team. I'm still believing with this team. I think it's something that they can fix. But, you know, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some figuring out. And this is when you earn your salary as the basketball coach at the University of Connecticut. So uh, I'm not going to turn on them. Don't turn on them as fans. Back them up. Don't say mean things to them on social media. Stay out of the Instagram comments and, you know, turn the XL Center, turn Gamble Pavilion into cauldrons. That's all you can do as a fan. So with all that said, now I'm going to drop in the segments from Sundays After Dark, uh, today's DTF podcasts, and you can hear the conversation that maybe from more of a national perspective than just somebody that is uh, stuck in the day-to-day of UConn Hoops. So that said, have a great week. Go Huskies. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's up top in our show because the St. John's Red Storm, who have frankly been a disappointment up until today in Big East play after a strong start playing a weaker non-conference schedule, march into Hartford and command. They didn't just win by one or two. They command the UConn Huskies 85-74. to Randolph Childress, what happened? UConn's God play has to get better. I, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I was, you know, we were all high on this team with their depth, front court and back court. And right now their guard play, they're not playing well. I mean, even today, Jordan Hawkins had 31, but he had seven turnovers. You know, they, they coughed it up 21 times as a team against the Johnnies. And, you know, that's their kind of game. You know, if you're going to beat the Johnnies, you got to play, you got to have solid guard play. And, and, and UConn guards, are, they, they've been really inconsistent. I think from 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 a big, I mean, Klingon and, and, and Sonogo, one of them has played relatively well and been solid during uh, during the season. But the guard play has been up and down. It hasn't been as consistent as it needs to be. Um, they got to fix that quick. I mean, they've lost, lost, what, four of their last five. They got to fix that quick. And, and it's obviously they can't turn the basketball over, but there's got to get some guys emerging. There's got to be more consistency. It can't be, even from Jordan Hawkins, and I'm a huge Jordan Hawkins fan. I've been raving about him since he committed there um 31 a night but again you know i i would have rather see him consistently being around 15 16 not come out the next game go one of 10 you know jackson leader of that group i think 
again tonight, not much. I mean, Hassan, Hassan Diar, nothing tonight. I mean, they, they, there's just not much consistently from the backcourt. And if that doesn't continue, then, then you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a long season for these guys. There's just no energy either. Like the last five, seven minutes of that game, I was really disappointed in how UConn kind of finished it, even when St. John's kind of punched him in the mouth. Um, I will say on the flip side of that, Joel Soriano, very impressed with him today and how he kind of played Sonogo because Sonogo, because Sonogo is so physical down in the paint. And I thought um, Soriano did a really good job of pushing him out. And so he wasn't able to catch the ball in areas he likes to be at. And they struggled as a result of it and kind of broke down offensively. UConn did. I don't know. I just thought when the double came down on Sonogo, just they struggled to scramble out and find some offense consistently with that guard play. But I mean, credit the way St. John's defended today. I think that was huge. Well, and to St. John's credit, Posh Alexander sets that tone defensively. Yes, he does. And he's it, talking, he's talking, you know. Which he's backing fun. it gotta, up. When he backs that. it up. He's backing it up. Yeah. Look, St. John's is the roller coaster ride of college basketball. I mean, you, you wake up one day and you see him play like this and you're sitting there saying, man, they could go on a run. And they could come out against any – they could come out against a DePaul or a Georgetown in the Big East or a Butler, and and they're not even recognizable. So they've had that type of season. Today they show what they could be. There's never a denial of talent. And here's the thought process with UConn. You get a transfer from East Carolina and Tristan Newton. He flourished in the American. You get a transfer in Hassan Diara from Texas A&M. Solid. Solid. You get Naheem Aleem from Virginia Tech. Like, I, I, I would say this. On a day where Jordan Hawkins is scoring 31, UConn should be beating most everybody, but they shouldn't be losing by double digits under any circumstances to a team that's in the back half of the Big East. That tells you how rough their point guard play is right now, and it does beg the question, like, at this point in the year, I want to know for both you guys, at this point in the year, can you really – week that much can, can that much be changed about who you are yes or no meaning what meaning if you're not getting great point guard play like can you just how are you able to get I, it I, and, the, but when you say the thing is it's it's can you you can't just manifest with someone just being the lead point guard but you can't they can't hurt you either you have what you have they have players we, you know, we talked about Hawkins today. He had third. He went for thirty-one. He shot it well, but he had seven turnovers. You look at the rest of this back: Alin, zero for four. Hassan Diar, one for four. Newton, zero and one. Jackson, zero and two. Like that's nothing. So if you do that, and then you're turning the basketball over, like that's what I mean. They need to get two or three guys that they can consistently rely on. And I don't know where that's coming from. It's it, it's going to turn around. I believe it. it they're they're too talented now. Elite point guard play, that could be a problem. That may be the difference in them going to Houston or not. But they're going to compete. They're too talented. They're going to compete in this Final Four. I, I think the one concern that we had about this team last year, we thought, all right, if, if Sonogo doesn't play well and they can't run their offense through him and he's efficient, where is it going to come from? They got enough guys now that can make shots and make plays. They're just not. I don't know what's going on with the guard play now. I, I would have never I, – I don't I don't have an answer to it. I would have never thought that. You understand how the Johnnies play. They force you. They speed you up. They're not going to let you run your offense. You just got to 
buckle down and go make plays. And and that's dis- that's disruptive to teams when you want to run execute sets. The Johnnies are not going to let you do that. So I don't know if this is a style thing, but again, four out of these last five games, they didn't they didn't play St. John for the last five games, and so the, the guard play just has to be better. It's plain and simple. I think that I don't think anybody's going to deny that. This time of year, especially, it's hard when you talk about guard play, maybe scoring, for example, right, where you feel like you get into a slump because at this point of the season, everyone's tired mentally, physically. You also have the fact that, you know, Intel is better. You now teams are able to scout you differently because they have more information on you. So I think there's definitely a curve in that regard. Here's my thing, though. If you're going to go out there and play. What are you going to bring to the table if you can't score? Because scoring's on everything, right? Being a great passer matters. Being a great screener matters. Rebounding the ball matters. But the one way you can get minutes and stay on the floor and really assert your will is if you can do it defensively. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone on UConn tonight did it defensively. They switched up defense a little bit. Look, Curbelo was getting into the paint at ease. It, he was just slashing every single player on UConn, getting to the paint, creating paint touches, little jumpers in the lane, whatever. Then UConn went to a one, three, one kind of trying to dismantle that to an extent, but you have to be committed to the defensive side of the ball. If the offense is not going well for you. And I think that's something that we did not see tonight. Man, it it really is staggering to see Connecticut at four and four in the big East. I mean, I don't care how you slice it. Nobody could have seen that coming. You you couldn't have, you look at the standings right now in this conference, Xavier seven and oh, Providence is six and one. By the way, Xavier and Providence, both their meetings are in February. February 1st is the first one in Cincinnati. Then the last week of the regular season, the rematch will be in Rhode Island. So they're at the top of the league. Marquette's at six and two. Then Creighton's at four and three. UConn's at four and four. Seton Hall is at four and four. UConn is next at Seton Hall on Wednesday. Any final thoughts, Randolph, on that picture? And wherever you want to go in the Big East Conference before we shift to the Big Ten? I believe in their coaching staff and the, and the, the roster talent too much to think they're going to fall. I, I think they hit a rough patch. They're not playing good basketball right now. I don't know. Maybe they're you know, ranking as high as top five in the country. Went to their head. They started this week. They, they were the highest second in the country. You know, you don't know what that does to, to a group of young men that just and, – and now they went from hunting people to being hunted. And they'll figure it out. I, I just – even if it means guys will start, Hurley will send a message. If that means guys start sitting down, they played 10 guys tonight. If that means they'll play the next game with a seven-man rotation, I, he'll light a fire. He's too fiery a guy. That's one thing I'm not worried about. That that problem will get resolved quickly. And the one thing about early, you know, playing early, sometimes you can play yourself out of it and you got to scramble late. Like there's teams like that. And maybe and Creighton's one of those teams. We, we thought they were a highly ranked team. They lost so many games early on they're going to have to make a magical run come tournament time. I think they've dug themselves in such a large hole. UConn hasn't. They'll still be nationally ranked next week, maybe in the late, you know, teens or so. They'll figure it out. I'm I'm not worried about them long-term. Now, if their guard play doesn't prove, then it eliminate, you know, how far far of a tournament run they'll make. But I'm I'm not down on them like that. I'm with you. I don't think the early season was a fluke by any means. I mean, this team is still, I mean, they've still got some great players. They've shown sports. I mean, shoot, they beat Alabama. They beat Oregon, the teams they've lost to. Okay. So the Johnny's wasn't a great loss necessarily. And it was at home, which also is, is a knock on you, but they lose at Xavier. They lose at Providence. They lose at Marquette. Those are all road games against the top three teams in the big East. 
Yeah. Get they're all good teams. Yeah, they're all good teams. Like it's not like they have a terrible loss. So I've got no worries about this team. They'll be fine. They just got to figure it out. Slumps happen. And who's to say they don't go undefeated in February? It happens all the time and just swings momentum. Anything can happen this time of year. That's why it's so hard to, to be like, are you down? Are you out on somebody? This It's so crazy. Like these conferences, when you look at the Big East, the Big Ten, SEC, it doesn't matter. From top to bottom, there's so much parity. You just got to ride the storm. Conference road wins are as hard as anything to get. Mm-hmm. I don't care what conference you're in. Winning on the road in conference, there's no surprises. You're not you're not scheming anybody. You're not out scheming. You just got to show up and figure it out. And they, you know, like we talked about, the top of this league is damn good. It's as good as any top of the league in any conference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, the other thing I think is really important, especially when it comes to Xavier, is they have two of the best guards in the Big East of being able to create something for themselves in uh, your boy Sule Boom and Colby Jones, who, according to T.O., can't do anything. My boy Colby um, Jones. Yeah, your boy Colby Jones. Uh, UConn has none of those guys. They don't have anyone right now that you can kind of, when things are going bad, you can give the ball to and say, go get us something, right? They There's a lot of things that are going wrong with UConn right now. To me, the two things that stand out the most, one, Tristan Newton like is not the guy that we thought he was going to be coming in. And if you compare what Tristan Newton is doing versus what Sule Boom is doing, you're seeing the difference. In, like that, To me, that's the difference in those two teams. Xavier went out and got the point guard they needed. UConn went out and got a point guard that took one shot yesterday and got eaten up by Posh Alexander. Um the other, a lot of people the other, eaten up by Posh Alexander. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people do, but when you like you have to be able to like you got to be able to, to win that matchup somehow, right? The other part of it is that, and this kind of goes to um to lacking a point guard, but they lack a level of composure and they lack a level of like once things start going bad, they they can't stop the spiral, right? They can't stop the 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 snowball from going downhill. We saw on the road at Providence. And again, that was hard fought. Then Providence started doing some things right. And UConn just did not have anybody that could go stop the bleeding. I don't know if that's necessarily on court leadership. I don't know if that's just kind of how they're wired. But once it started going bad, it went off the rails. Same thing happened at Xavier, right? Once it started going bad, it kind of went off the rails. Um, Happened against St. John's last night at home when it's not supposed to happen at home. So I guess for either of you guys, like, am I, one, am I seeing things wrong there? But two, like, I don't even know if you can fix that. Like to me, it's not a talent thing, oh, right? Like we, we know how talented this team is, how good they are defensively, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very worried about what this team is going to be moving forward because I don't think that you can't just magically make a point guard appear. They don't have that guy. He's not on the roster. Well, here's the thing. They don't have a great point guard. But part of it was, and we brought this up earlier in the season, I want to bring it up again. Their other pieces had been so good in their roles that it didn't matter. You didn't need an elite point guard when you had so many different guys doing great things from the wings. Your point guard just had to realize to get them the ball, get them the ball and let them work. 
And they were also defending at a higher level than they did yesterday. I mean, St. John's had several guys in double figures and was getting scoring from different sources. Raphael Pinzone and Dylan Day Wusu stepping up. AJ Store stepped up for for them. I mean, and Joel Soriano has been the nation's leader in double doubles. Man, he's been great this year. Oh, mm-hmm. they, in spite of all they got going on, he's been great. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, that's a huge win for them. But it's but to me, it's the attitude thing. I, that's what I'm more concerned about. I, I I think I think that Connecticut is still on their best day, better suited to win an NCAA tournament game. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to adjust our expectation level. Okay, we had them as a national title contender. They are not that. They are not that. But if we had you as a national title contender at one point. You can't just say that now the season is decimated and destroyed. It blows up. That's not how it works. Mm-mm. So, no, that's not how that's not how a well-coached program works. You said it, not me. Well, I think he can adjust, and I think he will adjust. And you know, I think I think that that Dan will figured things out with this team i really do yeah, look i i i, I kind of do too right and I, i'm full disclosure like 50 percent of this is me just being a, a fan that's kind of like losing their mind in the moment right um but i think this is prove it time for him that this is this is the point where you kind of say look this is why i'm the coach at uconn we're going through this spiral we have these very obvious issues this is what we're going to adjust. This is how we figure out what we're doing, right? And I think that moving forward here, we're going to find out a lot about, one, what Dan Hurley is, and two, what UConn is, right? You got at God, Seton Hall could you next. imagine those freaking practices as a player? Yes. Where you just walk in, and you know it is going to be hell on wheels for the next two to three hours. Mm-hmm. But you know it, what? That's part of the problem. Yeah. Well... Yeah. So what? To, so what, to so a point what, it is, and like I, I also that's kind of anywhere, agree. Fanta. Any, any, anywhere yeah. you play, that's not just for Dan Hurley. Anywhere you play, you lose four out of five. That locker room is like a you could hear crickets chirping in that thing, and then you go from the locker room where guys are somewhat pissed off every day because they got to still got to go to class, they still got to see other humans. It's not like you just show up to that and that's it. You got to see regular people. You got to see the civilians. They're looking at you funny. Like you've done something wrong. And then you've got to go get your train and then you got to and then you got to walk in. It's like like I remember we we went on a skit at Clemson and everybody we walk into the film room and we're just like Oliver Purnell is just on one and you can just feel it. And it's just you could cut the air with a knife. And it's just like, oh my God. And then you're thinking, and then I'm thinking about Dan Hurley. <sighs> like, you know, those players are going through it right now. Yeah. And and the issue is that it's it's very easy to say you lost to Xavier, you lost to Providence, you lost to Marquette. Like those are the three best teams in the conference. You lost to them on the road. A lot of teams are going to lose to those three teams on the road in those buildings. And then to come home against St. John's. And one like here, here's another problem I have is is what's what is UConn's identity this year, right? Are they Big. going to be a great defensive team? Well, Andre Corbello and Posh got literally anywhere they wanted. Raphael Pinzone did whatever he wanted to do, right? Their guards made UConn's guards look like I was playing defense out there, right? That might be a little bit of exaggeration. I don't care. They couldn't <laughs> stop any penetration. Two, 
You want to be a team that runs through Adamas Anogo? Well, you know what? If Adamas Anogo is getting eaten up by Joel Soriano, that can't happen. If he's supposed to be the biggest player of the year and you run your offense through him, he has to win every single matchup that he has. He got beat by Joel Soriano last night. Okay. All right. Are you going to be a great rebounding team, which is what they've been in the past? Well, you know what? You can't get beat up on the offensive glass the way that they do. If you're going to win on toughness, if you're going to win on effort, you can't let other teams continually get more 50-50 balls. And you like, so what, what is your, are you a three-point shooting team? Space it out. Chuck a bunch of threes. I don't think you have good enough shooters to be that. So like what, what is the identity of this group at this point? That's one of the things that I think they've lost in this losing streak. And that's after a little silver lining in after you're done. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So the, the Wait, silver look, lining. I, I want the, all the silver linings. Give, the silver more lining. Than one silver lining. <laughs> the silver lining for this is St. John's is to the Big East right now what Syracuse is to the ACC. Like you have to completely change everything you do for one game. Mm-hmm. So that's the silver lining. So really, if you look at UConn's other games, like Xavier loss away, okay, that's you're willing to take that. Providence loss away, the AMP is a ridiculous place to play. Uh, Marquette loss away, okay. Like the the, the St. John's was such a curveball. Like I'm not convinced this team's falling off the the tracks. I am convinced that the practices are miserable, and I am convinced that – Seton Hall at the Rock is going to be uh, gut check time. They need to win that game. Yes. This next one, they need to win. Yes. But but to go along with what you're saying, like four out of five, I get it. Those three away games, brutal. The Big East did not do them any favors. But uh, the St. John's loss is such a curveball that it's like, you know, it, it's like Virginia Tech. Like you, you go and you're starting to get some rhythm without one of your guys. You're losing close games, and then all of a sudden you have to change everything you do because of the, a certain style of play that Syracuse presents. And that's why Syracuse ends up being in the middle of the conference every year, despite talent level, because of that. So it's in you know St. John's hasn't quite reached that level of where they're making the tournament, but it's uh, not an easy adjustment. But Seton Hall, that's that's one they need to win. They need to win that game. 